Welcome to the May edition of The Compliance Life. This month I visit with Mark Beyer. Mark is the Chief Compliance Officer at the Pernalis Electrical Cooperative in the Hill Country of Texas. It is the largest electrical distribution cooperative in the United States. Mark has a very non-traditional background and journey to the CCO chair. He also has developed a compliance toolkit that he's learned in his various jobs leading up to his role as the CCO. I know you'll enjoy this month. In this concluding part four, Mark moves into the CCO chair. The Compliance Life details the journey to and in the role of a Chief Compliance Officer. How does one come to sit in the CCO chair? What are some of the skills a CCO needs to successfully navigate the compliance waters in any company? What are some of the top challenges CCOs have faced and how did they meet them? These questions and many others will be explored in this new podcast series. The Compliance Life is hosted by Tom Fox, and each month he'll present the story of one CCO through four episodes. The Compliance Life is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. We're going to have a quick word from our sponsor, and then we'll be right back with Mark Beyer on The Compliance Life. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back again with Mark Beyer for our fourth and final episode on the May edition of The Compliance Life. Uh, In this episode, uh, Mark is going to step into the CCO chair. So, Mark, first of all, welcome back. Thank you for having me. So, Mark, um, I will share with you the reason I moved to the Hill Country was because when I was eight years old, I went to Camp Stewart and fell in love with the Hill Country. I was a Houston boy and uh, had never seen hills before. I thought this was the most beautiful place on earth. So when I finally got the chance, uh, I moved out here. Uh, what was your reason for moving back to the Hill Country? Uh, I didn't go to Camp Stewart, but uh, similar. Um, I, I went to college in the Hill Country, um, spent my time there um, in San Marcos, um, and have essentially um, vacationed exclusively in the Hill Country ever since. Um, always kind of looked at it as a, as a vacation spot. Um, always wanting to, to live here, uh, never seeing an opportunity necessarily or, 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 or an easy way to do it. Um, COVID happened, um, remote work increased, um, uh, other opportunities happened, but in this case, um, PEC, the Perdinalis Electric Cooperative, um, was in need of a, of a ethics and compliance officer and, and, um, and lucky enough, uh, I was lucky enough to get that opportunity, um, jumped on the opportunity to move back to the Hill Country, um, and um, I'm, uh, me and my family are loving it. So except for my life uh, in graduate school and law school, I've always lived in the state of Texas. And electric cooperatives are ubiquitous across the state of Texas. They're well known. What I don't know is if they are as well known and well used outside the state of Texas. So for those who may not know what an electrical cooperative is. Could you tell our listeners what it is and then really what the Pernalis Electrical Cooperative is as well? History of, I guess, PC a little bit. Um, 75 years ago or so, um, you know, in the hill country and in rural areas like this, they're uh, very limited electric, very limited power, um, if any. 
And so uh, farmers, ranchers decided, let's get together and, and do it ourselves. And, and with a little bit of help of the federal government um, from a finance perspective, they uh, formed um, PEC, uh, the Pernalis Electric Cooperative, which is a member-owned, um, essentially a member-owned electric utility, um, electric distribution utility primarily. But um, so, uh, which means that it's a nonprofit organization owned by the people that pay for power. So um, all the all the houses and businesses in the uh, Texas Hill Country um, are, are, are our members. We don't call them customers, we call them members, um, which essentially are owners um, of the organization. Uh, they elect uh, board members to represent them um, in front of the, 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 the company, the organization, to drive the strategy and to make the you know, larger um, business decisions. Um, but um, very interesting uh, business model, very different than what I've come from, you know, from Lockheed Martin to, to Baker Hughes to, to Livanova, all, all um, publicly traded companies. Um, uh, in this case, a nonprofit, um, a member-owned, um, you know, no, no, no sales um, function. Uh, it's not the, the, what, what they do, what we do. We provide uh, low-cost, reliable, safe energy. So... Um, so yeah, very interesting, interesting industry to be in. So what are some of the unique, or what I would perceive to be unique challenges for an ethics and compliance officer for not only at a nonprofit, but an electrical cooperative that you saw in a publicly traded company or uh, the, any of the publicly traded companies you work for uh, when Baker Hughes was private? Yeah, there, there, are, there are several um, big differences, uh, some positive, um, or most of them are positive, I'd say, um, in terms of, of, of compliance risk. But there are very different compliance risks um, here than there, there were at other organizations I've been at. Um, like I said earlier, you know, lack of a sales staff, lack of a sales um, function. Um, you know, there, there's the, the sales risks, right? The, the, the what do salespeople do to get sales um, side of things goes away. And so, um, then, but what's what's more and more of a risk um, in organizations like this are reputational, really, in many cases, um, because we have all the the members, you know, looking at us on a daily basis, looking at our line workers and our member relations folks, and all employees that are wearing the logo uh, around town, and you know, being in in, in Central Texas and in, in, in a rural uh, area. Um, as you know, everyone knows everyone, and everyone knows everyone's business. And so, um, it's very important uh, to to not find yourself or ourselves um, either make you know doing things um, that can potentially damage uh, the reputation of the organization and 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 weigh negatively on 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 PEC and the community. And so, that's very important to us. And so, behavior you know behavior of our employees is something that we we take uh, very seriously, both while they're at work uh, as well as when they're wearing you know a, a t-shirt or a hat outside of work um, we have to be very very uh, we have to always be on our game i'd say um, relative to that so um, conflicts of interest or another uh, you know area where where risk is a little is different um, uh, it is a rural uh, rural uh, um, environment generally speaking um, on the kind of uh, I'd say southwest side of of, of Austin, um, if, if you're not familiar with with the Hill Country, but um, 
where we, we have to really pay attention to, to making sure conflicts of interest don't get in the way and, 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 and become um, a driving factor for employees making uh, decisions that they shouldn't be making or, or, or otherwise wouldn't uh, benefit them rather than benefiting the cooperative. So um, a lot of risk difference, not only from, a, from the nonprofit side, but from the uh, cooperative business model side. Mark, uh, I may have to put you on the speaker circuit. You just said so much in the last three minutes that uh, every compliance officer really needs to think about and put into play into their program. So I want to follow up on some of those things. Uh, the first one is uh, your customer base or, or your member base, probably more correctly, of largely rural uh, users of the cooperative. Um, there's a university in Kerrville, Shriner University. I've interviewed the head of the MBA program, and they try to put out candidates uh, who can go to work into the Hill Country. And he said in surveying the businesses who hire his MBA grads, the number one thing they want is someone who do business ethically. And I heard you talk about that in terms of your member base really expects that as well. So here, um, the values are not simply up and down the organization, but they're horizontal as well across your um, member base and across the, the base of your third parties that you do business with. But it even you even went a step further because you talked about when they're wearing our hat, when they're wearing our shirt, when they're driving our truck. You know, people expect a certain level of ethical behavior from us, and if they don't get that, the sanction is not going to be a regulatory body coming down on us. It's going to be a member calling up and, uh, you know, in the rural world, raising hell, uh, just quite simply. And, and that really is a, a different kind of challenge. But the message you gave us was if you live your values, um, that's one, one way to approach it. And, and I didn't hear you talk about policies and procedures and training. I heard you talking about values and, and really living those. Would that be kind of a fair assessment of what you said? Yeah, 100 percent. So we I mean we have you know several policies and procedures like yeah you know, like like organizations do, um, but you can have you know, you know policies all day long and you can train people all day long, um, but unless people do it and unless people have that moral courage to to act in in certain ways in the right way and and um, and understand what right is, in a sense, um, for the organization based on the values that the organization set, um, you're, you're, not, you're not getting anywhere. So it is truly um, up to each individual employee to live those values and to, and to understand how their actions and, and um, behavior represents uh, the cooperative and to potentially impact the success of the cooperative. Uh, when you're when you're not reliant on on your sales pitch to to, to help your financial um, situation, we are reliant on um, members um, continuing to trust that we are doing what's you know what we doing the right thing to 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 keep the power on for them. Um, and as long as people keep moving to the hill country, then we're here to serve those members. Uh, we have no other means of <laughs> revenue streams or ways to make money. We we don't, we don't we, it's a nonprofit, so we don't generate a profit. Um, any 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 funding, any money that we get um, that exceeds our cost essentially goes back to the membership. So um, the motivation for 
for bad behavior really isn't uh, you know financial in, in that sense. It's really reputational. It's really how do we how we how do we come across to our membership, and that's that's not only you know the the, the people out there, the line workers or whoever, but it's you know the people in the in the offices as well, making sure we're using our expenses in the right way, making sure we're we're paying for services in the right way, not you know, ordering out lunch and expensing it every, you know, day for no reason, you know, that kind of stuff, making sure we're smart stewards of our, of our members' uh, money and ultimately trust. I'm going to revise my prior remarks because you just said the most important thing I've heard you say, stewards of our members. And when a company, when a compliance officer, and when the employees start thinking about your stakeholders that you are stewards for, Mark, that's just a a fabulous way to communicate a message. So uh, all I can say is kudos. Um, as in all jobs uh, that you have had, you have learned and you've added to your compliance toolkit. And if that was uh, that, it strikes me that that's true also at the PEC. And if uh, if that's correct, what uh, have you added to your toolkit and how have you used that in your role as uh, ethics and compliance officer? A couple, yeah, I've only been with PEC for, uh, almost a year and a half at this point, so not too long, um, but have learned quite a bit and have grown a few few tools, I would say. Um, one is is the importance of relationships. Um, when you're in a global organization like a Lockheed Martin or, or Living Over or what, or what have you, um, you know, relationships are always important internally, I'd say, um, to, the, to the person you know, sitting you know, next to you or, or to your teammates. But in this case, the importance of relationships with everyone in the organization in a sense to get something done and the importance of relationships with with membership and 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 your community uh, and the people in your community um that's a that's a lesson that, that I'm, I'm continuing to learn every day um and the importance of, of it's not necessarily always what you're doing it's who you're doing it with right who you're involving um in the decision making process who you're um um consulting with and informing um, is very important. Um, the other side is, you know, I mentioned earlier, I, I, one thing that I've always tried to do is is be a value to the organization, and that's always, it generally comes with flexibility and finding those pockets of, of areas where maybe um, there's less knowledge in the organization or there's somebody that needs to fill that, that, that gap or whatever, whatever it is. At Lockheed, it was you know hazardous material shipping, for instance. At uh, at Baker Hughes, it was you know something else. Um, here, it's um, privacy. Uh, we 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 take privacy very seriously here at the cooperative, um, and so I've really tried to uh, privacy information security to kind of uh, go down the path of, of learning as much as I can. Um, taking as many uh, trainings and, 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 and webinars and, and conferences and, be, and really kind of brushing up on, on, on being as much of an expert I, as I can, um, or getting there at least, in terms of privacy and information security, because, you know, that, that's where the organization, that's an area where the organization always needs to be focusing on, um, and we do every day, but, uh, you know, we can always get better in protecting the privacy of our employees and our members and um, and, and, and ensuring that our processes are, are aligned with, with the, the value of, of respecting that. thing I wanted to maybe end with, Mark, uh, on your thoughts is uh, where do you see not only yourself going forward, but really the, the chair you sit in, the role you're filling now, 
How do you see that maybe uh, down the road 2025 or perhaps even beyond? Yeah, so I mean, we, this the PEC is, is a incredibly fast-growing organization uh, for an electric cooperative. Uh, my understanding is electric cooperatives generally, um, you know, have stagnant growth or or, or, or small growth or maybe even uh, decline. Um, in our case, we are shockingly <laughs> we are growing at a shocking pace: um, meter growth, member growth. Um, and that's because of that's a testament to the to how everyone wants to live in the hill country, right? I mean, it's, it's hello everyone. It's, this is Tom Fox. If you know Thank the you area, again for the listening to this of episode of the Compliance um, Life. You know, down, I hope you'll you know, join Falls, me again uh, next week, where I take you know, up it's just, it's, it's, another it's episode. Growing tremendously, so the organization is having to um, grow as well from a compliance and ethics and compliance side. And so, most electric cooperatives probably do not have my role. Um, only because of the size of the organization um, and and their kind of their their risks, but our risks, uh, while while we are an electric cooperative, we share kind of the structural risks of larger organizations. Um, and so as we grow, uh, the need for 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 this grows as well. and and the challenges of of society and the and and the and the individuals that we are bringing into the workforce, um, you know the differences between our our uh, more experienced employees to the to the apprentices and the new guys, new people that are coming in now, uh, their expectations of what the organization should be doing are very different. And so, having to uh, find ways to align those values and, and and communicate our values so that ultimately we 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 are representing the organization in a consistent way is is going to be a challenge and and one that I'm looking forward to to to, to tackling or helping tackle is is really finding a way to to the ways to impact our culture and to continue to evolve our culture to, to, to meet those, those new challenges here in, the, here in the coming years. Well, Mark, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time for this episode. This has been a, a fascinating exploration of a frankly very unique uh, Compliance Life on this month's uh, edition of The Compliance Life. I wanted to thank you again for taking the time to visit with me over these four episodes. But before we leave, if our listeners wanted uh, any more information on yourself or any of the topics you've touched on, uh, including the PEC, what would be the best uh, way for them to find out? Yeah, you can uh, go to my LinkedIn profile or you can just give me uh, shoot me an email, mark.buyer at PECI.com. Mark, uh, I wanted to thank you again for taking the time to visit with me over this series. Thank you very much. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. Thank you again for listening to this episode of The Compliance Life. I hope you will join me again next week where I take up another episode in The Compliance Life. The Compliance Life is a production of The Compliance Podcast Network. If you would like to be featured on The Compliance Life, please uh, give me an email at uh, tfox at tfoxlaw.com. Also, if you like this series, please give us a rating on iTunes. Uh, any review and rating would definitely help get the word out about the latest addition to the Compliance Podcast Network. Thanks again. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>